Hey everyone, welcome to this podcast brought to you by Raptor Aid and hosted by me, Jimmy Hill. During the coronavirus lockdown, we decided to host some live interviews with raptor conservationists and experts from all over the world. The podcast you're about to listen to was recorded during the lockdown period live on Facebook. Apologies if some of it sounds a little bit disjointed and we go a little bit off track with questions from the audience, but hopefully you'll enjoy listening to your favourite expert right here on Raptor Rambles. In this interview, I speak to, well, I speak to me. I thought it was probably right that I did an interview myself telling you all about what's going on with Raptor Aid and how Raptor Aid started and where it all began. So sit back, try not to fall asleep because I'm going to tell you a little bit about Raptor Aid and what makes the charity tick. Right. Hello, everyone. Hope you're all okay. It's a bit of a bit of a funny one tonight because normally I'd have a guest on, but we're in the last week of Q and A's, and so I thought I would do it myself. So sorry, the dog's barking outside at someone. Um, so yeah, I thought I'd do it myself. We've got hopefully a special guest coming on towards the end of the week, but I'm not going to say too much until. I've finalised it because I've I've not it's not been finalised yet so uh, so yeah we'll uh, we'll wait and see but uh, but yeah I thought I'd just do one ourselves a little bit self indulgent but we do get asked questions quite a bit so I don't know we'll see whether anyone wants to come in I'm doing it on Facebook Live tonight rather than using Zoom because I've I've not got another person here with me so I don't need to to use zoom hi lester thanks for joining us at least someone's here um thank you very much and so yeah i'd hopefully if yeah so lester's commented so i know that that if someone puts a question i'll be able to read it but actually someone did ask a question last night which i'm going to talk about on a on a post that we put up but uh just regarding the q a's uh, you might be interested, anyone who watches this video later on or catches it now, you might be interested to know we've done 22 question and answer sessions over the lockdown period. So we started on the 31st of March with Yolo Williams and we went right through. We have been all over the globe. We've been to the Philippines, Africa four times, Scotland, England, Wales with various people, India um brazil switzerland and spain so it's it's been brilliant i i genuinely didn't think we'd have such a good turnout and i didn't realize it would be so popular as well i knew people would be interested in some of the people that we spoke to so yeah we've done 22 i'm 23 and then hopefully on friday or some sometime towards the end of this week we'll have the 24th and final one but i said I say final one what because I've enjoyed doing them so much and and people have enjoyed the Q&A so much what I'm going to try and do is from autumn we'll have a bit of a break over summer from autumn we will do one a month every month throughout the year or we'll try to anyway because there's loads of other people as I've as I've done the Q&As I kept thinking to myself Hi everyone, sorry, those Hazel, Lisa, um, those of you saying hello. As as I've done the Q and A's, I've gone, oh, they'd be they'd be a really interesting person to speak to, or 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 some people haven't been able to do it just because time restrictions, they've not been able to fit in with us. So so yeah, there's I've got a list as long as my my arm of of other people that I'd like to uh, I'd like to yeah get on for q a so we'll start again in the autumn but we'll just do one a month because i have to admit trying to do two, one a two a week for the last since march the 31st has been yeah it's been it's been quite hard work and i won't lie that yeah it's been a bit stressful at times but the people have been absolutely wonderful we've talked about philippine eagles we've talked about peregrines we've talked about raptor persecution we've talked about hen harries grouse moors We've talked to people from the RSPB. We've talked to Emmy Award-winning cameraman, Helen McDonald, you know, a multi-award-winning author, Yola Williams, loads of people 
para hawking with birds of prey scott so so it has been it's been wonderful so i'm i'm well aware of how good it is so yeah tonight maybe for half an hour depending on 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 who turns up um we're yeah if anyone's got any questions that i want to ask about raptor aid or if anyone wants to know about what raptor aid does where we come from what's the thinking behind it i'll probably go into that anyway and just indulge myself in it if, if uh, people aren't asking questions that's not a problem um then I'll, I'll tell you that but by all means stuff is popping up here so yeah i can answer answer questions as they are as they're going on i hope you've all coped all right with with lockdown i know it's been pretty pretty stressful i have to admit one of the things i've struggled with the most is not being able to go out and monitor certain species so i i do a lot of peregrine monitoring in north wales and the really annoying thing is i'm not against the lockdown i'm, I'm completely understand the situation but when in wales they lifted it to five miles uh that was the furthest you could travel and my nearest peregrine site is 5.39 miles and, and i've behaved myself i've stuck to the rules the whole of lockdown so so yeah I, i've missed the peregrines this year but some of you may have seen yesterday i put a post up um about barn owls we've been out and doing some barn owl ringing um a small team of us trying to socially distance as best as you can when you're monitoring boxes and last night someone asked a question about whether why we monitor birds of prey and is is there any value in it anymore is is the disturbance side of things and actually going to nest boxes or nest sites is is it beneficial for the species or are really do we need to rethink what we're doing and i it was really difficult to answer not because i didn't know what to say but there's only so much you can put in a comment isn't there really without you know doing chapter and verse so my my answer was yes it's it's well worth it so as as hopefully some of you will know those of you that don't know a uh the the monitoring that takes place that that we're involved in is all governed by the bto the british trust of ornithology because we're not only monitoring the nests but i'm a licensed ringer as well and so that was part of the question actually the person asked is there any point in ringing or in america it's known as banding putting a a, a metal ring on the bird's legs and I think there is there is a massive amount of information that we can gather granted some species you're going to get more information than others so if we take the barn owls that I was doing yesterday we know from going to a nest box yesterday we caught three females adults in the nest box that didn't have rings on so they're birds that have hatched out in a, a nest that's not monitored. Um, they've they've gone on to breed. They're going to be at least a year old. But, you know, we, we thought one of them was over three years old based on some of the biometrics we took. And so we placed a, a simple metal ring. Now, the metal ring, I should have got one out for you, really. Um, it's a really thin alloy ring uh, with a unique code on it. And it's a bit like, I always say it's a bit like me wearing these bracelets. You don't even notice they're, they're there. Um, we place that on the birds like you, you have to go through number of years training with um, how to handle the birds how to you know disturb go to the nest boxes you know correct protocols and and then the process of, of fitting a, a ring to the birds and to be honest with you each nest box we were probably there for less than 15 minutes 10 minutes probably putting the putting the rings on whether there's chicks there taking measurements and so on so we fitted these adult females with rings also we fitted the chicks that were in the boxes with rings and then they go back in the boxes you know we don't flush the adults from the box they go back in with the chicks and yeah potentially the adults we may retrap at that box we may retrap somewhere else the advantage of doing it with birds that that use nest boxes is you've got a good chance of what we call a retrap so yeah the chicks may go on um and and go into the breeding population and we may retrap them 
also they may come unstuck they may get picked up because they're injured they may sadly get killed barn owls obviously we know get killed on roads and if those birds are picked up and they've got that ring on we can tell where where that bird has gone but on the ring there is there is also a website and you can send in your detail the details and the bto will get back to you with the the basic details of of how old that bird is where it's traveled from um and so on and it also gets fed back to us but the bto will then use that information and that information goes a long way a long long way into you know legislation also goes into scientific publications if anyone has um seen the the basically the bird atlases that are produced both on a county level and then a national level by the BTO, you'll know what absolutely incredible pieces of science and the, the amount of information that goes into that is basically, it's citizen science. It's me, other people, you maybe, you might take part in the, the garden bird watch that run by the BTO, you might take part in the nest record scheme. It doesn't have to be ringing that's all fed into the BTO and that is all used for science. So yeah, from that point of view, I think it's very valuable. I also think it's really valuable because we work alongside landowners as well. And there's a picture, there's one of my favorite um, we go to was yesterday, a chap called Bert, uh, a farmer called Bert, and he absolutely adores his barn owls. He, he pretty much, lives for the 10 minutes we're there yesterday to see how how his chicks are and i know some people might say oh well you shouldn't really be possessive over them but when you're a landowner you're a farmer and you manage the land and you look after the land with partly the idea that you're going to encourage barn owls and you want your barn owls to nest in your nest box it's it's a big deal and and it's wonderful to see and one of the other things I sometimes do get people say to me is, oh, you know, should you be taking photographs of them? And I think there's a, there's a, there's a fine line between glory shots of everyone, you know, posing with and letting, you know, Bert have that one photograph with his, one of his barn owl chicks that, you know, he, he spends 12 months waiting to see essentially and that's that's what it is and he sat there and he asked about next door how are next door's barn owls getting on how are so-and-so's barn owls getting on oh this is the i think he said the 18th youngster um well there was three chicks in his box this year so so yeah he you know he's really switched on to it and it's it's wonderful it encourages people the other aspect to it as well and something that a lot of you will probably see in the news is hs2 and one of the boxes we went to this year oh yesterday was right next to where the hs2 track is going and the local barn owl groups have been approached by hs2 to provide them with the information for where barn owls are breeding and that subsequently to some extent will help mitigate against too much damage i know it's a bit of a touchy subject with hs2 because there's all these emotive videos out there of them cutting trees down you know but uh, ancient woodlands and, and so on so i won't get into a debate about hs2 hs2 and what people think of it right here but yeah they, they asked and, and that information is provided they pay for it as well so money goes back into barn owl conservation so that's really important and it's not just big projects like hs2 it's also housing estates local development so they will speak to local barn owl groups and often they will mitigate and put money into barn owl conservation in order to to help the species especially if there's barn owls nesting or breeding near or on land that is sadly labeled for for development so yes there is a real there is a real benefit to it. There is, I did say obviously that, that with certain species that we monitor in nest boxes, you've got a pretty good chance of, of um, a retrap or, or being able to understand the ring numbers. But don't forget, there's other science that we learn from it. So we, we it's there, as most people know, birds of prey are barometers, what you might call a barometer 
uh, an indicator species of how the environment is doing. So barn owls this year, for instance, in the UK, we I thought they were going to have an early year this year. It seemed like it was going to be a good year because there was loads of voles. Well, certainly in our lawn, there was lots of vole holes. My little dog, Teddy, was in and out of the grass trying to catch voles, and he still does at the moment. But what we found is a lot of the brood sizes are quite small, ones, twos, and threes. Barn owls are capable of having up to six, and on rare occasions, seven. Um, so, so, yeah, they will have quite big broods. What we might see this year is them going again. So barn owls are also known for for going to, for second broods, and so basically they will they will sometimes early on if there's a bounce in the in the vole population or there's plenty of food and the weather stays mild and and nice for them, then then you'll get them laying their first clutch and and hatching their first brood, and then often into August. September if the weather stays fine then they'll they'll go again if there's plenty of prey even though there was only ones twos and threes is it in the boxes which I'd say is quite a small brood for barn owls um we we do know that that uh, there was plenty of food in the boxes many 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 of the boxes that we checked yesterday had two three four voles mice in the boxes which means mum and dad are catching more than enough food and they're cashing it in the boxes with the chicks. So, so yeah, it may be that that wet spell that we've had put a bit of a dampener on, um, on yeah, the, this year. And maybe one or two chicks perished when they were small. Um, so, so, yeah, we'll, we'll know more. But, of course, all this monitoring that we're doing will, uh, will basically paint a picture of how the barn owl population is doing. And and I keep talking about barn owls obviously because I've just we've just spent a day monitoring barn owls. But the same is for peregrines. You know, I'm involved with a peregrine study that has been going for more than 40 years, which is just incredible in itself. Um goshawk studies. And these are some of the species where you might say, well, what's the what's the point in in putting a, a metal ring on, on a peregrine falcon, the chances of you re-trapping re it are slim. But don't forget, with a lot of peregrines, they're colouring as well, what we call darvics. And so that way you can see the bird if it's perched. And also we've started doing that in, in one project I'm involved with, with goshawks. So a bird that is very, very um, secretive, then we've got a pretty good chance of getting some sort of... a some sort of answer back on on how populations distribution survival rates all these different things are doing yeah sorry al i've just i did see your question and then i realized i'd probably answered it if anyone's got any questions please feel free to butt in because i did say on my last my last status that there'll be a lot of waffling so there will so yeah i'm just answering the question of is there any benefit do i think there's any benefit in monitoring and ringing i i think there is I definitely feel, though, and there's absolutely... I don't have a problem with people questioning these sort of things. I think we should, and we need to. You should always be, certainly when animals are involved, be questioning and, and you know, thinking about the ethics behind it. Um, I haven't got a beer, actually, tonight, Sharon. I've just got a glass of Coke, actually, and there's no there's no Jack Daniels in it either. Um so so yes there's you've always got to think about the ethics that goes goes into it um right uh, natasha do you think rodenticide poisoning is affecting broods more um i i don't know is that is the, the real answer to that what i do, we do know from there's a wonderful organization uh, called the Predatory Bird Monitoring Scheme. If uh, So going back to what I mentioned about if you do see a barn owl dead or any bird of prey that's dead, provided you don't think it's been poisoned, so if it's on the side of the road, somewhere like that, um, then um, yes, if as long as it's safe as well to stop and pick it up, then, then by all means package it into a box, ring the Predatory Bird, up and they'll send you the box out and they carry out post-mortems on on predatory birds basically and so yeah they're looking into this and i can't remember the percentage 
but I it's it's a, an incredibly high it's like over 80% I'm pretty sure of barn owls that they look at will have some level of rodenticides within their system and if you think about how the sec secondary generation rodenticides have been developed now they have been developed that they don't kill the rodent instantly so if you put rodent blocks down rodent bait down and a rat comes along and nibbles on that i, I think i'm reliably told that it can take up to 14 days to kill that that rodent depending on how much i think they've consumed and so that's 14 days of carrying on running around uh, in in the environment for tawny owls barn owls buzzards kestrels and uh, and other species as well not just avian um so so yeah um what do you do if you suspect poisoning the best thing to do is is ring 101 so the non-emergency um police line and try and speak to or try and get through to your local wildlife crime um, unit in your area. Whatever you do, do not touch the carcass, whether it's the bait or the poison that animal you think might be, because some of the some of the stuff that is put on as bait, carbofuran, whatever it might be, are lethal to humans and animals so so yeah if you find something you suspect it's been poisoned there's there's images you can find online um for these sort of things especially bait so i've seen images of rabbits that have been cut open and they've got they they clearly look like they've they've been laced with something but they're surrounded by dead flies as well so you know well if, if flies are landing on it to feed and they're dying straight away there's going to be some there's got to be something wrong um there but, but yeah please please be careful definitely don't touch it you need to you need to report it straight away um to yeah so ring 101 um and uh, and report it take pictures if you can um so uh yeah that's that's the that's the safest thing to do uh going back to road sides it's it's a really difficult one because obviously people are always concerned about public health uh, but we've got to remember that the owls are the natural natural pest control. So the more the more owls we we have, the better. But just tidy up as well. We we had a problem here on the farm this year with with it seemed to be a really we had a lot of rats, but we we feed livestock, and it was just a case of tidying up in the end, um, and and just yeah keeping on top of that. So so yeah, Natasha, in answer to your question, check out the work of Predatory Bird Monitoring Scheme. And yeah, anyone else, if you find a dead bird of prey and you, you it's safe to pick it up, um, then put it in a bag and yeah, the predatory bird monitoring scheme, you'll find them on the internet. They'll uh, they'll definitely be able to, to take it take it off you. So uh, so yeah, do 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 your little bit part. It's a bit weird and I know not everyone will be interested in that sort of thing now um someone else did did send me a question in before i started this and they wanted to know a bit about uh the chester peregrines so they wanted to know what's going on with them you may have seen as well we've been heavily involved with the chester peregrines this year sadly we should have been doing the peregrine watch in normal circumstances we would have had the peregrine watch 2020 running where we'd have had the volunteers outside waitrose in chester watching the the four peregrine chicks that we know now fledge but there's been some good things to come out of this year obviously we met stoke media who have the camera on the box so so yes we we now have access to be able to see short clips and they sent me last year's clips and so what i'm going to do is i will put together a montage of the peregrines um that are in chester last year because there's some absolutely wonderful clips they've shared with me so I'll, I'll put them together for you and i will uh i'll share them um in due course but all four chicks seem to be fine we did a news piece for them on what day was it friday when it was absolutely chucking it down and you might awful weather for watching peregrines but it was kind of awful weather for doing a tv interview because i looked like a drowned rat and 
uh, but it was brilliant for the peregrines because the youngsters were sat still and one of the adults was sat in her favourite spot near the Queen's Hotel. So we hopefully managed to get some clips. I'm reliably told that that is going out on the six o'clock news tomorrow on Granada. Feel free to shout if it's already been on because they said it might change and it might go out earlier. But I'm reliably told there's going to be a short piece on the Chester Peregrines on Granada news, six o'clock news. And uh, yeah, you might, you might, apologies, you might see a short clip of me talking to the camera on there. So, uh, so yeah, apologies about that. But uh, Chester Peregrines are doing well. All being well, we will bring the Peregrine Watch back for... Um, 2021 next year so now's a really good time if you live in chester get out go for a walk and check out the chester peregrines because the youngsters are still learning to fly still learning um from mom and dad so it's a good time and they'll be around they'll be about probably round about till august time september at the latest some of them hang on for a bit so so yeah it's a good time but there's we, we've seen lots of lots of stuff about urban peregrines and webcams have, have really helped for people through lockdown this year so so yeah it was it's it's always nice to be involved with that side of things uh someone else asked about raptor aid and what we've got planned for the future so it's a it's a difficult one to answer obviously we always try and have lots of things bubbling away but only being a very very small charity with a small amount of resources um we have to be you know we have to decide what we're doing and and also what what i have to point out to people is there's there's only three of us involved in running raptor aid um me and two other trustees and it's me that does all all the sort of day-to-day running um blake and steve are absolutely brilliant trustees and steve does all the really difficult sort of accounts and all that sort of boring stuff behind the scenes so uh so yeah he's he's busy doing that all the time but it's me that does the day-to-day and it's and it is difficult just pull the curtain because that sun's right in my eyes um it's really difficult uh to to sort of channel your funds and and work out what you're gonna what you're gonna do next we hope to we definitely hope to um do some more school work once the once the schools reopen of course we were supposed to be running our raptor identification workshop um with field study center at malantan but that sadly got cancelled but we'll be hopefully bringing that back next year um nest boxes we've got lots of exciting things planned with leicester at peak boxes and so yes we're going to carry on developing nest boxes and hopefully for september maybe when the schools go back we'll we'll be doing something with flat pack boxes uh cameras in nest boxes a whole a whole host of things just trying to get kids um into into uh birds of prey and, and nature and, and wildlife so so yeah we've we've got a, a few things up our sleeves but uh we'll we'll try and roll them out and we'll obviously carry on with our uh monitoring um will raptor a be busy training potential new monitor ringer um well we're we're involved with lots of raptor study groups um or i am on a personal level as well as 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 raptor aid we have to be careful i don't want to make something sound like they're all raptor aid when they're you know they're not they're uh it's i'm on a personal level involved with with certain groups so yeah it's it's uh we're, we're always i'm always willing to help i'm always willing to help people um get out there and and get involved with with monitoring birds of prey so uh so yeah um what would be your long-term aims and ultimate goals if you had more time staff money any expansion plan what can we do if we wanted to get more involved in raptor aid um oh, right good question well the ultimate goal for me uh, i'll probably st- can i start at the beginning about a bit about where raptor aid come f- came from um so i was in captive birds of prey but i've always been interested in wild birds of prey and raptor aid actually started off as a blog called raptor awareness blog and i used to just do it in my bedroom while i was i worked with captive birds of prey and all i did was i'd share news about um birds of prey around the world 
and it was really it was quite popular the blog was but like anything and blogs especially they can get a bit arduous and and things get in the way and one thing or another um and so the blog slowed down a bit but i did enjoy doing it when i left captive working with captive birds of prey i'd you know i'd done it since i was 18 years old um and yeah i'd worked with some of the most incredible species and people individuals but i really wanted to focus on conservation and the monitoring aspect of it and so I left working with Catley Birds of Prey and just came home, um, at, uh, came and joined my dad, helping him with the family farm. And it gave me the opportunity to fulfil um, a bit of a lifelong dream of, of setting up a charity, something with longevity, not for me to, uh, to yeah, share bird of prey conservation um, and education. Because that's what I really used to enjoy when I was working with Captain Birds Pro was the education side of things. So long-term goals, what would be lovely? I would love to have a pot of money where we could offer grants and we could support students doing degree, doing higher education. I would absolutely love that. And if Raptor Aid became nothing more than a sort of money pot for worthwhile conservation projects i.e a student maybe doing a study a master's on a, a rare scops owl somewhere and i'm not necessarily talking about british students either you know if we can support students in in situ um and ex situ that would be that would be a dream for me really and we have we have written these things down in long-term plans that that's what we'd like to work to i suppose what you always i always do as well is i look at look at organizations that um i you know you hold in high esteem and one of those has to be uh the peregrine fund and i remember as a kid when i was younger reading the peregrine fund blogs and following their websites when they were asking for people to come out and be hack attendants and they were supporting students which they still are in in projects in say the dominican republic or you know asia or somewhere in south america that side of things really that floats my boat basically so yeah if if we had the time the money another thing i'd like to do look just reading staff is I but it just would take so much organization I don't think I've got it in me just on my own uh, at the moment would be to have a sort of a group of of volunteers or rangers that go around schools and run um run bird of prey conservation but environmental based activities as well that would be wonderful uh, to set something else like that up but obviously everything starts small and i'm more than happy going in schools doing owl pellet dissections i love working with with young and old people um, or older people in that sort of thing so so yeah what can um what can we do if we want to get more involved with raptor aid uh i suppose our main aim has always been to be a sort of an access point or a sort of shop front for lots of other charity like organizations it seems like a really backwards thing to do you know raptor aid is a charity we've got to you know we've got to make money but i must point out that no one gets paid from raptor aid i don't get paid i pay for things like the insurance myself i think still um, but it isn't a problem so yeah no one gets paid from raptor aid it's 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 not a going concern like that so the money that's made from nest boxes donations it goes towards running projects and and supporting organizations like you know the philippine fund we've made donated equipment and stuff like that to them the trips that i go on abroad i had someone once say to me oh you know this is just jimmy's jimmy's uh trust fund to to send him out to the philippines it's not i pay for it all myself if i and and i'm well within my rights to say oh well i'm going out there for raptor aid so raptor aid can pay for my flights no i don't 
Um, I'm not into it for that. I'll pay my own flights and, and you know, the money can go towards Philippine Eagle Foundation or, or other projects that are Raptor Aid are in, involved in. So uh, how, how you can help, just get involved and support the, the projects that, that we share with you and, and work with. So Philippine Eagle Fund is a great example. I would much rather you donate money to the Philippine Eagle Foundation knowing that it's going to save or work towards saving one of the rarest eagles in the world um, than, yeah, just giving 25 quid to Raptor Aid for the sake of, of, of you wanted to. So in, in terms of what you can do physically, you can get involved in, in Peregrine Watchpoint with us. Uh, if, if you have any ideas of, oh, well, I think I can, I can run a workshop for Raptor Aid, or there's a whole host of things you could probably do yourself that you feel you could support raptor aid then then just get in touch if you want to get into monitoring birds of prey that aspect of it the best way is is to approach your local raptor study group and try and work with them if you're struggling to find someone just get in touch with us we've got lots of contacts so i might know who's there in your area but yeah just keep following us and a lot of people don't realize and forget and i'm as guilty as anyone is that when it comes to supporting small organisations or, or whether it's a commercial business or a charity like Raptor Aid, a like and a share and a retweet and all that can go a long way. You know, it, I'm always conscious that you never know what's around the corner and, and yeah, so that sort of thing. I know it gets a bit arduous after a while with social media, but, but that is, yeah, that that's, can be as good as money sometimes for charities uh right would you ever consider having your own captive birds for education purposes in schools etc no um is is the simple answer we made a conscious uh, i i made the conscious decision that when we were we stepped away from captive birds of prey and when we were going to start raptor aid that we weren't going to use captive birds of prey for any of our uh, fundraising any any of our projects and it, it wasn't it wasn't because i'm anti cap birds of prey in captivity because obviously i'm not because um yeah well i've got some rescue owls here at home that live with me um that i've taken on and they'll stay here forever um it's also it's probably more because one for me personally, my time of working with Captain Birds of Prey was over. I didn't, you know, I'd been there and done it. And and I wanted there to be a clear line that that we don't keep and own and, and work with them ourselves as well. We wanted to concentrate on the conservation aspect. And that's not saying that people who work with Captain Birds of Prey, you know, can't help and, and don't help with conservation it was just that i pretty much had my time was done working with captive birds of prey um and unfortunately you know you can it can blur the line sometimes um one of the things i did start to do with raptor aid was i went down the route of um i, I like to think i coined this term poke and stroke and i would really set out to sort of bang the drum for people using birds of prey in what i would have deemed as an, a, a less an ethically unsound way you know handing owls around shopping centers you know to potentially hundreds of children for photographic opportunities and there's a time and a place for that sort of thing and and so I, I made a I, I started to make a noise about um yes legislation and putting a stop to to sort of these organizations that, that carry out poke and stroke. And what I quickly realized was I could literally spend my whole life fighting it, really, and, and fighting poke and stroke and trying to get legislation changed and working for even people were getting in touch with me trying to get raptor aid to get um opposition companies closed down it got, and i just thought no this isn't what we set raptor aid up for 
um, I want to focus on the conservation and the education aspect of things, you know, without it. So we took a step back from that. But interestingly, I am going to go down it another route, those of you, if you're interested in me going full circle, in that potentially I'm going to start a PhD this year and we're going to look at um, something along the lines of qualitative behaviour assessments of owls in captivity alongside some other some other things so so uh so yeah we may revisit it but certainly not as as sort of forthright and as outspoken as i was originally about um yeah housing owls being used in that way so so yeah sorry i've I've gone right around the houses there but that's um that's kind of why we we don't work with uh with captive birds um at, at the moment and we probably we probably never will and it's also why we don't really endorse it because it's really difficult as well that you know i've got lots of friends that still work with birds of prey that are brilliant but you know i have to be really careful with what raptor aid is associated with just because i can't control what other people do and you know and and so yeah we, we have to protect our name as well so so yeah, that's uh, that can, that can be difficult at times when when people people ask us about that. Um, right, I don't know. Oh, there's twelve people watching. Well, that's a big big audience for me. I oh, know it's gone down to eleven. I've just upset someone. Um, if anyone's got a question, by all means, um, fire fire one in um, on on the comments below. I'm trying to think what else we've been asked. One of the one of the questions I do get asked a lot is by people: How do I get into monitoring birds of prey? And the simple answer is, I always give people the same answer, just get out there. It seems really silly, but, but just by going out there and watching birds of prey and learning what your local birds of prey are doing, where your local buzzards nest, you don't have to disturb them. You know, what, what, what a kestrel sounds like when it's calling. All these different things you'll start to pick up. Today, classic example, you know, I've got a lot of experience now, but stood on the steps and I spotted out the corner of my eye a bird flying that, that was clearly not a pigeon or a, and it was out of the ordinary for, for what I normally see out on the front yard. And it was a sparrowhawk and he came down the hedge right in front of me in the end and shot off into the woods. And it's just getting, it's just, you know, you pick up that out the corner of your eye because it's out the ordinary. So it's getting, it's making raptors the ordinary in your eyes, basically. So, so yeah, get out. Then you can get into raptor study groups. Try and, you might be lucky, try and find someone locally that monitors birds of prey and just show them that you're keen and you're trustworthy. And uh, yeah, hopefully that'll help help uh, help you on your way. And like I said, if, if anyone wants to ask us, then you'd be you'd be more than welcome to to uh to yeah um get in touch and we'll we'll try and help you as much as we can um another question someone uh, asked me i've just remembered it um this was actually um a younger person asked me what's one of my favorite things to do um with with um with regards to to school projects and the things we do and it has to be our pellet dissections so one of the things we do a lot of is owl pellet dissections. Uh, yesterday, I must have collected, I don't know how many, hundreds of owl pellets going around the nest boxes. So uh, my freezer is slowly filling up. Not my food freezer, by the way. We've, I've got a separate one for, for freezing owl pellets. My freezer is slowly filling up for, uh, for yeah, ready for September, hopefully, when the schools reopen and it's safe to potentially go in and, and visit kids again. But I love dissecting owl pellets because it gives you so much information, obviously, about the owls, but certainly when it comes to the younger generations, but I do it with adults as well because the adults find it really interesting, is it really opens people's eyes up to the the natural world and what's going on around them and it's just exciting and it's intriguing and it's a bit yucky and a bit disgusting so yeah owl pellet dissections are definitely one of my favorite things to do um that as well as watching birds of prey out in the wild so uh so yeah um we will hopefully i meant to do this sooner 
and we have got all the stuff we're supposed to start selling our pellet packs so you can buy them um but it's been just a bit all up in the air at the moment so yeah we, we will be in the near very near future be uh be yeah supplying and being able to sell our pellet dissection kits part of the reason we didn't was because i didn't want to roll it out and then us run out of our pellets um and so i needed to wait for for the breeding season so i could get around lots of nest boxes and and gather gather lots of pellets so uh so yeah that's the plan with that anyway what time is it um all oh, right okay it's quarter past so i've been on for 45 minutes now which is uh which is more than long enough um so um <laughs> buy me some quail and i'll give you pellets um i don't it doesn't work like that sean you're supposed to donate me the pellets <laughs> please um yeah so uh i need to buy myself some quail actually for the owls but uh yeah so 45 minutes uh has anyone got any other questions that they want to ask otherwise i'm gonna hang up one of our ostrich chicks coughed up a pellet on sunday not much to see in that one i suppose a bit fishy i tell you what though i would love an osprey pellet and the sort of weirdo that collects that sort of thing especially to um show the kids and that would be a super thing to show the kids you know i'm I'm even thinking now i'd put them in these little plastic vials so maybe i could drill some little holes in the lid and and uh yeah the kids could sniff it and try and guess what uh what what bird of prey the pellets from i've got long-eared owl i've got you know all the owl species um crow corvid uh, i always remember someone had a kingfisher one that had stuck on the end of a branch they'd managed to rescue they'd seen the kingfisher regurgitate it um on the stream so yeah i need some i need some more so yeah if you want me to uh get um get what you call it um a uh what a pellet then yeah of a kingfisher or an osprey that would uh that would be really good hazel it's a pleasure i'm glad you're enjoying them you will probably absolutely love the last one if i can get them on i'll hopefully announce that soon um al's got um are you finding it harder to get into schools with their shrinking budgets or struggling to get linked into the curriculum um no to the curriculum there's you know that's just a bit of imagination and to be honest with you i've got lots of friends who are teachers um and and i've got a good imagination and so yeah feeding stuff into the curriculum isn't that hard funding yes that is obviously difficult you know even i've been to some big posh schools where you think money's not short here and even they are you know uh, are having to count the pennies or so they say they are but and often i find that it's the schools that that you want to go to are the ones that are you know are the ones that struggle to to afford it so what i often try and do is get someone outside of the school to fund it potentially um for them and that's happened on several occasions you know uh, one of the parents has is is has got a successful business and they've they've kindly funded um for for us to go in and do a workshop with them so yeah it's 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 a really difficult one and i'm that's it's where i'm not very good at it really because um yeah right what we do with raptor aid and if you're a businessman now cover your ears but um as a charity and because i'm not dependent on a on a living from it is i say to schools make a donation if you want us to come in and do some a workshop one of our workshops or, or work with the kids make a donation what you can afford and i find that most schools are really receptive to that so they would you know that if they can afford 100 quid they'll make 100 quid the bigger schools if they they will often you know donate a little bit more and then it's sort of down to me once I get in the door. I've got to, you know, charm charm the teachers and head head teacher especially. And uh, hopefully, yeah, they'll they'll have you back. Um, and uh, and so yeah. But it, it's it is definitely getting harder um, in terms of funding. But you know that's uh, yeah that's uh, that's how it is unfortunately. Uh, yeah, if anyone can, um, yeah, pick us up a, an osprey 
repel it legally. Obviously, you've got to have a, 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 a if you yeah disturbance license if you're checking an osprey nest. I might actually be able to sort myself out actually because some of you may have seen that we had Brian Etheridge um, on from the Scottish Raptor Study Groups, Highland Scottish Raptor Study Groups, and I'm supposed to be potentially going up to Scotland in July to uh, do some osprey work with Brian. So you never know. I may be able to sniff my way around an osprey nest and uh, and get my own osprey pellet. Or if I can't go up, I'm sure I can ask Brian. He's used to me asking weird things like, you know, can you send me a pellet? I've got a golden eagle pellet actually as well. That's 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 quite a cool one um, as well. So uh, so yeah. Um, right. Okay. Uh, is there any more questions? Last call. It's uh, yeah. I've been on for longer long enough. You don't need to just listen to me all night. Hi, Tracy. Did you hear me say I'm about? I might be coming up to Scotland in July, um, so yeah. Um, hope you're all right. And uh, yes, yeah, so any more for any more? Any more? The dogs are going absolutely berserk. I've got the dogs sat here. There's Teddy and there's Jojo. Um, so they 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 want want my attention at the moment. So uh, yeah, there you go. Yeah, they want to go right okay uh no more questions i'm going to love you and leave you then everyone uh if anyone does want to ask us anything as always raptor aid we're dead chilled out we're dead open please get in touch what i will be doing with the q a's all the ones done i'm going to try and thanks tracy i'm going to try and get them all uploaded onto youtube so lots not everyone's on facebook so yeah lots more people can tune into it and someone came up with a brilliant idea i'm going to try and get them converted into podcasts as well because there's some brilliant ones you know like some that are like over an hour long which is quite a long time to sit and listen so i'll i'll try and get them um yeah transferred into a podcast but keep an eye on facebook that's the main thing we use to to tell people what's going on so uh yeah we'll update it all there all right love you all take care keep watching the raptors enjoy the next two days because it's supposed to be baking hot so yeah always wear sunscreen as they say in the song take care bye